bar. From a performance and an effort standpoint, no disappointment whatsoever. Great number seven would like we did last year. This is Pool Time on Impact Sports Radio, your source for goals, high dives, and butterflies. And now your host, Max King. Listening to Pool Time here on Impact Sports Radio. Still liking that new intro. I like it. Second episode with it, and I like it. You're listening to the Thanksgiving edition of Pool Time. (laughs) There you have it. Thanksgiving edition, and lots and lots to talk about, as always. Not that we never have lots to talk about here on Pool Time, but. Some Michigan State swimming to get to and some national swimming news to get to as well. We're going to localize it a little bit, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But all swimming today, not that that's a bad thing, but let's get the show breakdown. We're going to go and we're going to review real quick the Notre Dame meet last Friday. That was just the men's. Then we're going to get into the preview for Northwestern invite this weekend for both the men's and women's. We'll look a little bit to in December the U.S. Short Course Nationals. We'll talk about that a little bit with Matt Giannotis as he and Kathleen Malloy will be on the show here and as well as seniors Sam Schultz from the men's swim team and Summer Strickler sat down and talked with them at practice earlier this week. We'll talk to them as well. And then we're going to get into some national news. Michael Phelps, is he going to be making a comeback Okay, we'll talk about more about why that is a topic of choice here on the show today. But first, let's get into some Notre Dame review. Last Friday, the men traveled to South Bend and swam against Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame's a very good team, very deep team. Lots of lots of good swimmers there. They lost 197 to 103. Um, if you want to read the full recap on that, you can go to my article on impact89fm.org forward slash sports. Select men's swimming and diving, and you'll see the recap there, along with complete meet results as well. But it was a rough start for Michigan State as Notre Dame 1-2-3'd the medley relay to start out that meet. Medley relay was the first event that was swim. Notre Dame 1 2 3. That C relay beat the A relay of Michigan State. And that's rough. They also 1 2 3 the 200 freestyle and they 1 2 the mile and just about everything else you can imagine. It was a pretty dominant win for the Fighting Irish. Michigan State, though, they did win two events. Brian Williams came out and he won the 100 fly at 49.05, uh, which is a, an okay time for him. He was been, he's been faster this year. He was 48.7 against Grand Valley at home. So, but he still won it nonetheless. And then John Burke, the freshman, won the 500 freestyle with 439.66. So, two good swims for them. Uh, that is some positives to take out of it. They did have a couple guys make cut times, uh, that, as we'll hear Matt Giannotis talk about later in the show. But a 197 to 103 loss to the Fighting Irish, 
who they're a good team, no doubt. But uh, you know that's a, that's that's a tough loss to them. But they'll get over it as we move into the Northwestern invite. Now the Northwestern invite is coming up this weekend. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. It's a big meet. It's a championship style meet, meaning there's finals and there's winner and you know winners and things like that. It's not like a, just a dual meet you would have or a tri meet. Basically, what's going to happen there is you're going to have people swimming during the morning and the afternoon, and then you'll have people coming back at night for the finals. So there's going to be 24 swimmers that will come back for night swims, which is finals, um, at the end of each day, and then they'll compete for the championships there. Um, it's a long meet. It's a six-round meet, so six rounds of swimming, lots of chances to get lots of events in. Uh, very similar to Big Tens. Big Tens is seven rounds, so a lot of swimming to go on there, and this will be get them used to Big Tens when it happens towards the end of the year. So it's a good thing to have. Um, they're very excited to be talking very highly about it this week and even a little bit last week too. So a lot of swimming to be had. That's good so people can get lots of chances to swim and make training cuts. Um, unlike Big Tens where if you have a bad swim, you don't necessarily get to swim later on at night or in finals. Not the case so much here at the Northwestern Invite. You have that opportunity. And, you know, lastly, if you have a bad swim, it's not the end of the world. Unlike a Big Ten championship meet where if you have a bad swim, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it. And that's kind of a tough thing to swallow. But if you have a bad swim, and even if you don't make finals or a night swim, it's okay because you have a lot of events that you can enter in. So that's kind of the format we're looking at here. Let's listen to some interviews now from practice earlier this week from some swimmers. First, we'll start with Sam Schultz, senior on the men's side, and Summer Strickler, senior captain on the women's side, on their thoughts for the weekend. We spent a lot of time talking with a, a sports psychologist this year, more than I we ever have, and um, we've talked a lot about team unity. I think we have a really tight-knit group, so what I'd really like to see come from the end of Sunday is you know, working for each other, with each other, for each other, to uh, you know, swim some fast times. Like, we've, we're in a great place emotionally, I feel like, and physically. So um, I want to see all that hard work pay off and uh, have a strong sense of team unity by the time it ends on Sunday. All of us performing like we, like we know we can. I think the our biggest goal for the week is just to get people into the second semester. So get training trip cut times and then also like try to get some night swims. Um, there's some pretty good teams there, but I think we're capable of making finals, almost everybody, so should be pretty good. And, and you yourself, you've been doing quite well in the 200 this year. Uh, what exactly do you uh, expect for you to, to do as far as that, as far as do you expect to be right there uh, on finals or, or what? Well, I was looking at like the psych sheet for the meet and I'm ranked like fifth or something like that. So there's, there's going to be some competition, um, but I think I should at least like make finals and my goal is just to go faster than I went last year at Big Ten, so hoping I'll be under 150. Looking back from last year uh, and how you competed, how crucial is it to have a good meet this time of year? It's pretty crucial uh, to have a good meet just because it's good to build up confidence and I don't think I would have as much confidence going into Big Tens if I didn't do as well right now, but at the same time it's a learning experience and we're training differently so than we did last year, so it 
could go either way, but I'm looking at it from a positive angle. I should be pretty fine. Interesting take. I like what what Sam Schultz said um, about the sports psychologist, and we're actually going to talk about that a little more with Kathleen Malloy, assistant coach, as we get um, a little bit here in a few minutes. But they seem pretty confident. It seemed like they're in a good place. You heard Summer Strickler say it's a great way to start the second semester if you have a good meet there. You have a good meet there, especially if, if you make cuts there. That can transition really nicely into training trip and second semester, Big Ten schedule, and then, of course, so on and so forth. So she's had success in the past uh, with those meets. You know, she talked about how it's good to have confidence going in if you have uh, if you have a good meet there, confidence going into the second semester. So now let's hear from Matt Giannotis now on his thoughts and his breakdown, not only for Northwestern, but a little bit preview maybe into the second semester, U.S. short course nationals, and, and going into that spring semester. So let's hear from Matt. Yeah, I want to I want to have every single kid on our team who's going on the trip make their training trip cut times. That's the biggest thing. Getting them into the second semester is critical for us. That's our number one goal uh, beyond, of course, the easy goal, which is we want to perform well. And then I'd like to see our team continue. They, they've done a really nice job this year of supporting each other, uh, being, a, a, you know, their awareness of what's going on in the meets has been awesome. And that's good because when you start building into the season, in particular when you get in the second semester and we start really getting after Big Ten teams, you know, you're going to need that. Last year, about this time, uh, the women won the Magnus invite, men got third. What did that do for your team going into the second semester last year? I mean, I think it did somewhat. I mean, our team was split last year, so we went to two separate December Invitationals because half of our kids went to Texas for the Winter Nationals, and we actually had a really, really, really good meet down there. Um, uh, I think our, our focus in the fall was a little bit different than our focus this year. We were a little bit older, and... Um, and we had kids who, you know, we had been committed to going to that Winter National Meet since July or June of the year before. So, uh, but it helps. Obviously, when you win something, it can really raise the confidence of the girls on the team. Um, so I think, I think this year, you know, we haven't really talked about team titles or anything like that. But we have talked about getting our relays down. And, um, and like I said, just being supportive and, and doing things well uh, throughout the course of the whole meet. And, and just going real back, quick back to last year too, um, you know, obviously it felt good to win that. How, do you, how are you going to try and emulate that good feeling this year at a different invite? By swimming fast and by accentuating is everything that we, that's happening to us that's positive. For example, you know, when a kid makes a cut time or when a kid gets a lifetime best, we'll make a mention of that. Now, I mean, we, you know, our women, I'm not saying our women can't go down there and win it because they have, you know, anything is possible and our women are swimming pretty well. And I'm not saying our guys can't either, but I think I think the biggest thing is to is to realize that there's a lot of work to be done this weekend, and uh, and when we get when we accomplish things, we, let's make mention of it as a group. And it's crunch time as far as cuts go this weekend. Uh, what are the updates on that? Did you have any men make some cuts at Notre Dame last weekend? Yeah, I think we had one or two, and we also had one or two that were right on the on the thing. I don't anticipate having anybody on this trip may having a difficult time getting these cuts. I think they'll make them, and uh, I feel really confident in the fact that they will. And so I think that's a big thing. It's a cloud that hangs over a kid. There's no question about it. No matter how good the kid is, it's a cloud that hangs over the top of him. But uh, I don't have any. I don't have any issues or anything with the fact that we will. We'll, we'll get that done. And we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, not everyone can make those cuts. Usually, uh, what do you tell those kids who don't? 
Well, uh, we're, it's a simple way to do it this year. I tell them all about Jill Stoneberg, who didn't even make our team last year, trained on her own, came back, and has already made her cut for second semester. She wasn't even on the team last year. Now she's going to let her. So to me, it's simple. You just took a kick in the teeth, or you, you, know, you took a punch to the gut. How are you going to respond, and how are you going to react to something like that? I don't anticipate giving that, that speech out to anyone on our team, but still, you know, perseverance is still part of the game, and perseverance and, and dedication and perseverance is still part of the, of the sports world. You know, I mean, you know, the, the, it's a cliched, but, it, you know, life isn't about how you act. It's about how you react sometimes. And so if, if, you, if you take a punch to the head, you know, regroup and get back after it, you know. Let's look ahead towards the end of the semester and a little bit towards uh, the start of the new year. How crucial is it as training during winter break? Oh, it's really important, and I think that's the part of the season, I think, where a kid, you know, once we're done with this Invitational, you know, we have a week, which is pre-exam week, which is a very stressful week academically. Then we have exam week. Then we're in Florida for a week. Then our kids basically have a week at home, and then we're back into the second semester. So I think uh, it's crucial at that point for you to take ownership over what you're doing as an individual because there's going to be a lot of time within that range where the coach is not going to be standing on top of you. And you're going to have to really be dedicated and you're going to have to be on top of what you're doing. So it's critical. It's critical that you do that for sure. And looking a little bit forward now even more to that U.S. short course meet, would you treat that meet kind of similar to this Northwestern invite? How do you treat that the same, differently? How do you go about that? No, exactly the same. In fact, we're only taking two people. Uh, Summer Strickler, who's a senior captain, is going to go. She went last year. And then Oz Asanlu, uh, who's a Turkish He's ranked number one in his country, so he's actually going there in order to continue his international experience. Now he will, those won't be going to Northwestern. Summer will, O's will not. So uh, it's the same approach, you know, swim fast. I mean, the approach, bottom line, is you got to go from one wall to the other as fast as you can, you know, and that's what you got to do. And you touched on a little bit about it just a minute ago, but uh, that short course meet is the last week of classes. Um, speaking from just what you've observed through uh, your athletes and what they've told you, how stressful is that? Very. And I think, you know, our kids, not all of them, but some of our kids take some really, really difficult majors. I know the engineering kids, and particularly the, kid, the kids who are in the tough majors, exam week is a stressful time. Uh, some of the kids who are in tough majors, exam week isn't that stressful because they've done their work all semester, and there's really not that many points on the line in exam week. But uh, for the majority of our kids, uh, exams are, are difficult sometimes to be able to manage both sports. And, and, you know, it's not just us, it's everybody. You know, there's no game scheduled usually during exam week. You know, they, they want to give the kids an opportunity to be a regular student at that point so they can write their exams well. Now, as we mentioned earlier, the team has been working extensively this year with the sports psychologist, more than usual. They've worked in the past, but this is uh, they've worked with it a lot more this year. So let's hear more from that from Kathleen Malloy, because we did talk about it on the last episode of Pool Time, about how they were working with one. But now I want to know, how does this affect them going into a big meet like this weekend at Northwestern? So let's hear from Kathleen on a little bit on how the sports psychologist has worked for them this year, especially going into Northwestern. Six sessions over three days is long, so it's, it's sort of having to manage the ups and downs, one swim at a time, pacing yourself. Um, so he's really helped them with visual imagery and sort of setting um, themselves a plan for the six sessions. Big Tens is actually seven sessions, so it's one longer. Um, and it's very different session number one versus session number six, what you have to do. So that's what they've been focusing mostly, how to um, re-key in for each session and um, not be looking ahead or not be looking behind when they're at one. 
and looking at the ups and downs of the meet, if a swimmer doesn't necessarily do well in an event, and how do you talk to him or her and explain that they have to get up for the next event they have to do and just forget about it? Like, that's what's nice about this event is that you get more chances. Um, 24 come back at night in this meet, and there's not that many teams there. So someone at this meet, unlike Big Tens, could actually have a poor morning swim and still get a night swim, which is one of the reasons teams all over the country are doing a meet like this. So that's what's going to be great. They get to six hours later, come back, refocus, make adjustments, and fix what it was that they, for the most, what they either didn't like or did wrong in the morning. So they're going to get an opportunity to repeat it instead of just that one shot. So um, it's a big learning process. Excluding your team, uh, what would you say that the, the teams coming in, who is going to be one of the teams that you're going to look forward to into seeing compete? Northwestern is the only other Big Ten team, so that's going to be a lot of fun because we'll get to see a little bit of what it's going to look like at Big Tens. And um, we have a lot of kids on our team from Chicago. They have a lot from that area as well. So there's people know each other on the team, so that always makes it fun as well. But, you know, D D Kenyon Division Three and Denison are perennial powerhouses in their divisions. And um, so it's, it's always nice to go up against them too because um, – they're, they're competitors and they know how to race and they know how to win and so it's um, it, it will be fun. But Northwestern will be the most fun. See what they have and uh, where we match up with them at Big Tens. So that's your Northwestern preview. It should be very interesting. Again, full coverage of that, of course, will be had by myself and we'll talk about it on the next Pool Time episode and we'll break down that whole three-day weekend event and it should be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to see where people are by the end of Sunday and how this team performs because second semester is obviously the biggest semester and winter break schedule, you know, we heard Matt talk about it. It's a huge, huge time of year in any level of swimming. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do at Northwestern. If they have a good meet here, you can look to see them have a good second semester. So that's going to be for Northwestern this week and that wraps up our MSU swimming talk for the day. So now let's move into some national news now, as we talked about earlier. Michael Phelps, yes, the flying fish, the Baltimore rocket, the goat himself, has submitted, according to the anti-doping agency in the United States, he has submitted his drug tests, which is the first step in competing again as a swimmer. So what does this mean? Well, very interesting article that Yahoo.com's Pat Forty wrote about a possible return for Michael Phelps. You can read the article yourself on Yahoo.com. He made some really interesting points because if you look at what is said in that article, okay, Phelps didn't comment on the article. He wasn't available for comment. Bob Bowman was. He talked to Pat Forty. He said there's no sign of a comeback, but he believes that Michael Phelps can compete at whatever level that he chooses to. Okay. So where do we do we do we look into that too much? Is he just coming back just so he can maybe compete in a few meets here and there? We don't know. Phelps has returned to swimming again. He's gotten back in the pool for what he claims are fitness reasons. He's doing it to stay fit. I don't buy it. I don't buy that for one second. If you still got it, and I believe Michael Phelps still has it, why would you waste those talents, 
even though they're on your talents are on the tail end and they're kind of you're running out of gas, you still have talent and you still have probably some of the best talent in the entire planet. Why would you waste your talents that you have left just to stay fit? You can kill two birds with one stone, Mike. Stay fit and train for the Olympics and train for worlds and train for other meets. Kill two birds, Mike. I loved it, though, in that article. I loved what one of Phelps' guys said about him. Quote, if he can still play, why tell Mozart to stop being Mozart? End quote. Yes, that is what I'm talking about. That's exa- I agree 100%. If you still got it, use it. If you still have some of the best talent on the planet, use it while you can. Because there's going to be a time where you're not going to have it and you're going to wish that you did. It happens with every great athlete. Look at Brett Favre, the old gunslinger, the silver fox. Look what happened to him. He had that one good year in Minnesota, but then it got, it got weird. It got sad almost after that. Went Michael Jordan. He had to make a comeback with the Washington Wizards. Didn't really amount to anything, but he made the comeback. If you still have the best talent in the world at any capacity, it's not going to be what he had in 2008. He's not going to be able to rack off and win every single race like he did. But he could still, he can still win and be a champion in other capacities. So people are saying, why would he do this? It's going to ruin this legacy. It's going to ruin this whole concept of him running off into the sunset after London. No, I disagree. I think if you still have what it takes to win gold medals, then do it. And that's what he's going for. He's going for a gold medal if he comes back. Okay, we don't know if he comes back or what capacity he's going to come back at. He may not compete in Olympics. He may want to just compete in a couple of events and keep that competitive drive going, feed that competitive drive he has. But watching Michael Phelps and just thinking, the, knowing the kind of guy he is in the pool, it's hard to believe that he'd, he'd be coming back for a, a meet in Baltimore. Okay? It's hard to think that he'd be coming back to swim in a dual meet in California. It's hard to think that he would come back to swim the duel in the pool against Australia. If he's coming back, you got to come back all the way. You got to get to the Olympics. Make that Olympic cut. They're in Omaha this year, if I'm not mistaken. Olympic cuts. They're in, they're coming back to Omaha, I believe, for for 2016 for Rio. You got to you got to come back all the way. Michael Jordan didn't come back so he could play in the D-League. He came back to be a starting player in the NBA. And that's what he did. So I don't buy that Mike's coming back just to stay fit. If he's coming back at all, he's just going to come and swim a couple meets here and there. No. If Michael Phelps is coming back, he is coming back all the way. He is going to swim in the 2016 Olympics if he comes back. And again, we don't know what capacity... Okay, we can speculate all we want. But if he chooses the right event and the right amount of events, why not add a couple more golds? Why not? He's got 22, make it at even 25. 
Make it, a, make it more. Who cares? If you still have what it takes to win a couple gold medals, then win some. Pad those stats. No one's ever going to touch those medal, all those gold medals. Now make sure they're really never going to touch that gold medal record. And again, he's not just competing for fun. If he's going to come back and compete, he's coming back to win an Olympic gold medal. So I talked about this with Kathleen Malloy and Matt Giannotis as well at practice, just to get their perspective on it, because I was interested to know that. So let's take a look and hear what they had to say about the potential comeback for Michael Phelps. I guess the easiest way to answer that is, do you think any basketball fans would be disappointed if Michael Jordan came back? And I, you know, I think it's obviously great for the sport. I, as a coach of his, the biggest thing is, and of course he's not going to come back in order to, to fail. He's coming back to succeed. And uh, in, in the year that he's been gone, man, people have really started moving along. I mean, they're, they're not Michael Phelps's, but there's a lot of kids who in this country right now who are 18, 19, 20 years old who are Phelps-esque, you know. Uh, but if he's on the pool deck, for me, I think it's great because of the, just the name recognition thing. And we're going back to Omaha in 2016 for the trials. Nobody draws like Phelps does. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, I don't think any fan of the NBA was crying that Michael Jordan decided to come back. And, uh, and he, that's exactly in our sport. I mean, he's Michael Jordan, Babe Ruth, Wayne Gretzky rolled up into one. Everybody knows who he is. He's a champion. He's fantastic, you know. And uh, I think it's great if he comes back. I think it's great for the sport. And in your opinion, I mean, he is 31, which in the swimming world is ancient. And what we've seen people come back and do, I mean, you know, Dare Torres is obviously an extreme example. But even guys like Jason Lezak, they've competed well in their 30s. Um, and, I mean, what kind of, what more training do you have to do? How much harder do you think you have to work at that age? Well, I don't know if he's going to have to work harder. I think he's going to have to uh, work a heck of a lot smarter, and he's going to have to reduce his program down somewhat, the, the number of events that he's doing and then the length of the events as well. Now, you know, you know, he's a champion, and he knows how to win, which is the first step. Um, uh, and you, that part of stuff, you know, you're born with that. You just, you know, that's kind of stuff. It's tough to coach something like that, but he, he knows how to win. I, I think the biggest thing for him is, you know, from an over, you don't have to be that fit when you're 31 like you do when you're 21 because you're smart and you're smarter. Uh, and he's got a lot of experience, which helps too. Um, but the only thing I'd say is, is there's a lot of kids who would not be phased. In other words, the intimidation thing about Phelps coming back, I just don't buy the fact that, that kids would be that phased by it, uh, which would probably be a mistake on their part because, but, you know, I, I don't know how he's going to do it, even if he is coming. I mean, it's a lot of speculation. You don't know even if he's really coming back, but. I, I, I'd just be curious to see what events he would he would put into his program because there are some events that he dominated at an international level for so many years in a row that I just don't think he can do anymore. Number one, because he's older, and number two, because the international competition has really caught up to him. I mean, the last Olympics, in his best event, the 200-meter butterfly, he lost that event. So, you know, and that kid is, is going to be four years older in a good way, the kid from Laclo from uh, South Africa. So, yeah, man, I mean... It, He's going to have to be smart with the events that he picks and how he trains for him, for sure. And lastly, if you were Michael Phelps's coach and you had one event for him to swim in the Olympics, which one? Well, first of all, if I was Michael Phelps's coach, I'd be a lot more rich than I am right now. But but uh, I'd say the hundred butterfly, hundred butterfly, and then relays. I, I would I would I would gear towards the hundred butterfly and then all the relays, four hundred free relay, four hundred medley relay an 800 freestyle relay because he can probably get in a pretty good with the four other guys in the u.s he can definitely put together a good 200 freestyle because you only really have to swim one of them but those would be the ones i'd go for
Well, obviously it means a lot. I mean, and you start with people who don't really know swimming and the people who really only watch it every four years. It would be a huge, huge boost. Um, but I think uh, for the swimming community, obviously he's a huge competitor and he's everyone it really, um, what he's done is just astonishing still. Um, but I still think there's, it's a long way to go whether he'll actually swim. But I guess maybe I feel a little empathy for him is that when he was getting ready for London, I think that the training group that they had there in Baltimore didn't end up being um, as big as maybe they were hoping or as much competition in it as he, he had Chase Calise and there were some other people. But the group that's there right now with um, Yannick Agnol, I think is that how they say his name from France, um, and a couple other foreigners and uh, a couple high-end Americans, that training group right now, I would think to me, that's what I would think would be pulling him in, is a chance that to get to train with guys in a way that he didn't get to getting ready for London. And lastly, if you were Bob Bowman, Michael Phelps' coach, and you had one event for him to swim in the Olympics, Olympic finals, which event are you choosing him in? Oh, I would have to say probably the 100 free or the, or the uh, 200 fly. Like, it's a lot of work to get ready for the 200 for what he'd need to do, need to do and... Um, he seems to be an athlete who needs to train a fairly high volume. And the 200, you can't, um, fake is not the right word, but you can't uh, skimp your way to a 200. I mean, that would be like an 800 in track. You have to have put in serious, serious work in at least a two-year, if not three-year period leading into that. 100 free, as he gets older, he has more muscle mass, more mature. He could actually get beat. He could physically be stronger going into Rio than be before, like in the weight room, before he was London. In the 100, that would be a benefit. 200 would be tough. So I'd go 100 free, 100 fly maybe. So it's a good question. Where do you swim him if he comes back, if you're Bob Bowman? What events do you swim him in? And not even just one. If you could swim him as much as possible to what you think would be beneficial for that U.S. Olympic team. Where do you swim them at? 100 fly? 100 free? Do you have him try to go the two fly? Something that internationally he dominated up until recently? He didn't, he didn't win it in 2012. Where do you put him? Where do you put him? I loved what Giannotis said. I asked him, what would it mean to the sport if Michael Phelps made a comeback? And he just said, were basketball fans excited when Michael Jordan came back? He's got it right. That's true. Also completely agree with him. He's not just Michael Jordan. He's Babe Ruth. He's Wayne Gretzky. He's everything wrapped into one. He's a stud. He's the GOAT. So what would you do? If you were Bob Bowman, where do you put Michael Phelps in an Olympic race? I kind of got to go with Giannotis here. Okay, I would go 100 fly and then the relays. That's what I would do. I don't know if I'd go 100 free because I think you have people, first of all, 100 free is not his best event. Okay, and obviously many events are very good events for Michael Phelps, but I think you guys, you have guys like Nathan Adrian. They'll take care of the 100 for you. Okay, he did last year. Nathan Adrian wasn't even expected to win that whole thing. He wins Olympic gold. If you remember his reaction, that was a great reaction. I love those reactions. I love when people had the reactions in the Olympics 
like that, like they did with Nathan Adrian. Because nothing's worse than a guy or a girl who knows they're going to win and then they get Olympic gold, the highest honor in all of sports, in all of athletics. And they just have this dead look on their face. Like they weren't pleased with themselves. Come on now, show some emotion. Even Phelps did. Phelps shows some emotion. He knows he's going to win, but it still feels good to do it. I don't know how some, some of those athletes, man, they're stone cold though. They don't care. They're all business. And I have a problem with that. But man, if you were awarded, think about this in your job. If you were awarded the world's top honor in your field of expertise, whatever it may be, what would you do? No one else would just say, eh, put it in the trophy box. No. I like when they show emotion. Anyway, I would put him 100 fly and 3 relays. I agree, I agree with Matt. He would give you a good relay. He'd do a good 400 free relay. I think he'd give you a good 100. Probably the, probably the 800 too. I think he could put together a pretty good 200 in a, in a relay. And then the medley. Put him in the fly. Why not? Because at this point, if he comes back to the Olympics, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, think about it. People are talking about his legacy. His legacy is already set in stone. Nothing that he does is going to ruin that legacy. It's not. If he comes in the Olympics and he doesn't win any medals, no medals, guess what? He's still the most decorated Olympian of all time. That's worst case scenario. You still have 22 medals, 18 golds. And if he does better, if he gets medals, especially gold medals, rack them up. Add them to the trophy case. Throw them in the box. I wonder where he keeps all those. How do, where do you keep 22 medals, specifically 18 golds? Probably the other four that aren't golds, the silver and bronzes. I, don't, I wonder if he even displays those at this point. You think he just uses them as coasters for guests? Hey, Mike, you got a coaster? I can't find one. Yeah, just use my silver from 04. Yeah, take that bronze from Athens. I don't care about it. My dog actually plays with it. Wonder what he does. I'd like to know. But I agree. I agree with both Kathleen and what Matt said. He's not going to come back to his full Michael Phelps 2008 type of thing. He's not going to be swinging that two fly. He's not going to be swimming that 400 IM. Because those are tough. I, I don't even know if he'd swim the 200 IM. Because, again, you have to have years and years of planning, two to three years planning to train for those events. But who knows? Who knows what he can do? If anyone can do it, it's him. He'd be 31 by the time Rio de Janeiro rolled around. 31 by the time the Olympics started in 2016. And we've seen U.S. swimmers not only compete, but win medals and events over the age of 30. We've seen it been done before, recently too. Look at Dara Torres. She got the silver in 2008. Of course, Dara Torres is an extreme example. Just because she did it doesn't mean anyone else can. In fact, just because she did it, I'd say no one else can. Because that's amazing. But Dara Torres, she did it. She won the silver medal in the 50 meter freestyle at age 41. 
at age 41, she was the second fastest woman in the 50-meter freestyle. She was almost the fastest. She almost won gold in that event. She lost by a one-hundredth of a second. One one-hundredth of a second. Literally the smallest margin you can lose by in swimming. So she got silver. Man, I was rooting for her too. I remember that race. I was rooting for her too. Hard. How great would that have been if she outtouched that girl who won? I remember who it was. That shows you how great of a story that was. The girl who won the gold, no one even knows her name. I don't remember it. I remember the person who got second. How great would that have been had she touched her out though? Someone who was old enough to be her mother just smoked her. But she can say that about almost everyone else in the world except that one person. I'm twice your age and I just destroyed you. People might say, well, it's a 50. It's kind of hard to destroy them if you only beat them by a tenth or two tenths of a second, a couple other tenths of a second. No. In a 50-yard or meter freestyle, especially in the Olympics, in Olympic finals, if you beat someone by three tenths of a second in an Olympic 50 final, that's a domination. That's dominating, especially if you're Dara Torres. If you can beat someone who's 19 by three-tenths of a second in the Olympic finals, no, that's a domination. You smoked them. And that's what she did. Jason Lezak, he's another one. Forever hero status in the United States for Jason Lezak. He was 32 when he won his first individual medal, 2008. He got the bronze in the 100 freestyle. Yes, he did. Actually tied for bronze, which is funny. And of course, he is most famously known for that anchor on the 400 free relay in 08 that kept Phelps' hopes alive, as Dan Hicks called back in 2008. And all he did was swim the fastest split in human history, going 46 flat to anchor that 400 free relay and beat the French. 46.06, that's not a bad way to end. Not a bad way to end your Olympics. That's still mind-boggling to me. That's absolutely stunning to me. I can't fathom that. For those of you who are wondering, that's a 40.05 in short course yards, if that's how you go by times. 40 flat. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I still watch that race on YouTube, and I don't know how he runs that race still. I don't know. I have no idea how he does it. In fact, I still get nervous watching that, and it's not even the fact that I don't know how he does it. I still don't know if he's going to do it. I still don't know if he's going to win that race when I watch it. And he didn't just win that race. Okay, Elaine Bernard who was the anchor for that French team right next to him in that lane, you realize that he was, before that race, he was the current world record holder in the 100. Eamon Sullivan broke it in that first leg of that race, led off the 50 in a world record. Phelps didn't do a bad job either. He led off in the American record. Eamon Sullivan got it done. Of course, the ref of his team faded out, which was expected. But Elaine Bernard... Literally, minutes ago, before he got in, was the world record holder. And he had almost a whole body length on Jason Lezak. 
probably about half a body length. At one point, though, it looked like about a body length. But Lezak, he was the veteran. He was the vet. He rode that wave. He rode the wave. And those last 50 meters, he's just disgusting. I've never seen someone swim that fast. To this day, that is the best swimming race I have ever seen or will ever see. You're not going to see a better swimming race than that anytime soon. And you're certainly not going to see someone drop a 46 flat at the end of a relay. Come on. Come on now, Jason. And I remember Rowdy Gaines. Rowdy and Dan Hicks are great. I love when they call it the Olympics for swimming. I love it. Rowdy Gaines was, was going wild, too. Remember, he goes, he didn't just break the fastest time in history. He blew away the fastest time in history. And he's right. Before Lezak jumped in that pool, the fastest split was a 46-7, I believe. 46-7, 46-6. Lezak comes in, dominates that. Six-tenths of a second, I'll take it. Again, that's a 40-flat short course yards. Anyway, back to Phelps. It can be done. It can be done. He will be a year younger than Lezak was at that time. And Lezak actually, he was in the 2012 Olympics too. He was he he swam in those preliminaries in the 400 free, set up for a, for a silver medal between Adrian Phelps, Lochte, and Cullen Jones. So, he competed when he was 36. Still, pretty impressive. So I'm going to throw that question back at you. What event do you put him in? Only event he can swim. Not minus relays. We'll, we'll just assume that you put him in for the relays. But one individual event in the Olympic finals. What's it going to be? Comment on the page. Comment on the bottom of this post. Say what you want. I'd like to hear. Be curious to know. What would you have Michael Phelps do? Hunter fly? Hunter free? Do you put him at the 200 IM? Do you put him at the 2 fly? Even though it might be a little out of the question, do you do it? Do you just have him swim relays? Do you have him swim the relays? I'd like to know. Comment at the bottom of the page, and we'll find out. But anyway, that's all we have for today. Thank you once again for listening to Pool Time. This is Episode 7, the pre-Thanksgiving edition. There you go. I don't even know what's happening anymore. Once again, though, thanks for listening. Have a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. My name is Max King, your host. Until next time, see ya.